Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Down. So happy to be here with you. Hey, the music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. Phil Wickham. His new album titled Christmas is incredible. He will be on the show kicking off our 12 Days of Christmas on Friday, December 13th. I can't wait for y'all to hear that one. But we've got a normal show for you today, next Monday, next Thursday, three incredible shows, and then we kick off the 12 Days of Christmas on December 13th. Are we doing 12 shows in a row? Yes, yes we are. That'll be plenty for you to listen to. I hope you can keep up. I hope I can keep up. But it's going to be a super, super fun way to celebrate the holidays. Today on the show is a pastor that I really respect out of Atlanta, Clay Scroggins. His new book is called How to Lead in a World of Distraction. I love having people on our show that talk about leadership because all of us are leading. You are leading somewhere, whether it's in your home or out of your home, whether it is people that are 10 years younger than you, two years younger than you, or 50 years younger than you, or if you're leading people who are older than you, there, every one of you are part of leading. And how to lead in a world of distraction is important for all of us because it is so easy to get distracted. I think you're gonna really enjoy this conversation. So here is my friend, Clay Scroggins. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. I don't know what you know about the show, but we just like go. So. I've listened to a few. Okay. And you're not scared of any of it. Love it. Okay. (laughs) Clay, love it so much. I I really do. You are a blast. Oh, you're kind. It is introducing my friends to my friends has always been one of my favorite things. I didn't Mm -hmm. know it would ever be part of my job, Mm -hmm. but it is. So crazy. It is such a trip. Yeah. This is what I do. I get to introduce everyone who's listening to you in this conversation. A lot of them know who you are, but it's fun that you get to do these kind of conversations. And what an honor that all these listeners and all of our friends listening, um, you know, they're on their treadmills, they're in the garden, Mm. they're at work, they're writing, they're at the grocery store, and they let us be a part of it. Mm. Right? That's awesome. I drove, uh, we left at 4.30 a.m. just to come see you. Not true. You have... You have well, other shows. <laughs> well, you're not the only thing we're doing in Nashville, but... But I'll take it. <laughs> if, if, I, if I was not doing this with you, I would not have come. Well, thank you. That's really kind. I am very grateful. What did you listen to on the drive? Or did you and your buddy oh, no, just no, talk? no, 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 no. We talked on the drive. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. we listened to... No, we talked the whole we time. the whole time. But I've listened to you... Um, yeah, yeah. I wasn't assuming you listened to me. I was just curious what you listened to. My wife did introduce me to you. Or I don't know if, I don't know if she did or Buckhead Church did. Mm-hmm. But you have, I thought it was just once, but I didn't realize it's twice. That I've been at Buckhead? I've Three been, times? Uh, f- four times? Four times, I think. I've done um, single series four times. Wow. They are one of my very favorite groups of people. That's awesome. Y'all, what y'all are doing at Buckhead Church, what Rodney's doing with the singles, particularly with that next, n- that age bracket mm-hmm. or, how do y'all define that? How do you define who goes to that? I mean, it's just single. That's it? Uh, yeah. Really single out of college. Yeah. But the, the thing I love about what he's doing is he he got to the point where he was like, you know what, we could put on single events or we could try to solve a bigger problem in the world, which yeah. is when somebody's single and they move to a city or they live in a city, it is really hard to find meaningful quality relationships. Mm-hmm. And so if we can help people find that, that's a bigger problem that we're going to try to attack than just trying to put on events. Yeah. Which I, I – and it, it feels is. like that's what Canopy's doing. Is it that's is exactly what they're doing? Yeah. They are offering these, the, still the nights of coming together and worshiping yep. and teaching, but they also have so many fun things. Yes, yes. Trying to trying to introduce people to each other. Yeah. 
Which is what you do. Right? <laughs> that's why I'm a good fit for you guys. Um, tell me, uh, we're going to jump around a billion yeah, times if that's right. okay. But Love it. Uh, when I think about Atlanta, and you, how long have you been at Buckhead Church now? Yeah, so I just changed jobs three months ago. And then two months ago, we moved. So we moved from South Forsyth County, which is like 40 miles north of the city, to uh-huh. inside of Buckhead. Oh, y'all really like did we it. We moved. Yeah, kids changed schools. Change doctors, change mechanics. Man, this is the trick of Atlanta is that in some cities you could move the distance you moved yes. and keep all your stuff. Yes. But not when there's traffic. No, no, yeah. no. Well, we just weren't gonna do that. And the thing that we've learned, like any any place probably, but when you're a part of a community, uh you, you just learn so much and it's so much easier to build relationships. So yeah. we just feel fully invested in the community that we're in now, which I think is what a pastor should do yeah. what pastors should do. Yeah, because so. what does it mean? Talk about running into people at Starbucks and getting worse, to know your dry cleaner. You, or can I tell you a quick worse? It maybe it's even not have worse, to be but quick. Um, we're at uh, we're going to dinner Saturday night. It's my wife's birthday. Took her to um, this place in Atlanta called the Iberian Pig. Uh huh. It's been in Decatur for a long time. They just opened a new one in Buckhead. So we're we're we had dinner reservations. We're there about an hour early. The weather was a lot like this today. It's kind of raining and gray today. Yeah. And it was that way on Saturday. And so we popped into this place called Big Sky, which is this like classic Buckhead bar. Yep. I mean, you walk in and it feels like the way college felt to so many people, yeah. except these people are in their twenties and thirties. Yeah. And. I just felt so sad. Um, honestly, I guess it exposed something in me. I started thinking about how I was trying to go to this nice restaurant, going to a nice restaurant, having this nice experience. It fills something inside of us mm-hmm. that we want that feeling of sophistication or just niceness or whatever. But even these people at this bar, I just felt so sad because it was 530 and they were going hard yeah. at 530. On a Saturday. On Saturday. And they were clearly looking to fill something as well. You think? I think so. I think so. And I just sometimes wonder if people are having a good time. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're just going to have a good time. But I just felt, I don't know, I could feel social anxiety when I walked in. Yeah. Um, And when you pastor in a community, you can feel what's going on in that community more than other people can. I think so. And then, uh, so I talked about it on Sunday uh, in (gasps) our service. Yeah, because I was just like, look. We're in Buckhead. Like, this is what Buckhead is known for, like these bars like this. And so I was just saying, hey, you know, we were there last night because we were early to a dinner reservation. You may have been there as well. So good seeing you again. Um, And (laughs) I had somebody actually send me an email. uh, I just got it this afternoon that said, hey, I was actually there as well. Let me tell you a little bit about my life. And it was so cool because he was like, let me tell you what Buckhead Church has meant to me. And yeah, that, that was just like a world's converging uh, we really feel like we're a part of this community. Yeah, I was about to say that wouldn't happen if you didn't move no, where you pastored. I don't think so. I yeah. don't think so. Yeah. And I think for people that aren't from the Southeast, uh, that don't know Atlanta and Buckhead, can you kind of describe yeah. what Buckhead is? Well, it's, it's it's a lot of different things, but I mean, it's, it's the business district of Atlanta. So it's kind of the epicenter of... Um, technology and finance and um, really so many uh, so many companies have offices there. Um, but it's also the shopping district. So two mm-hmm. big malls are kind of the anchor, which... Uh, and bougie malls, not like bougie, bougie. Forever 21, but like... <laughs> which they do have that. Well, you can, of course they you can do, find that but, too, but, but it's the bougie yeah, mall. Dolce Gabbana. When I grew up there, that's where you went when you were like, Looking to spend yes, money for Versace, your prom dresses, like or that. yeah, 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 bougie, bougie, yeah. Um, and then you got old Atlanta money, uh, so you got like a lot of old affluence 
Uh, but then you've also just got, we have found more regular people than we thought as well. Mm-hmm. And we feel super regular, um, not basic at all, but very, yeah. very regular. <laughs> and so uh, we were pretty intimidated moving into that community, but we have yeah. found some, which I think should be a message in life that there are just people, people, people everywhere. There's yeah. all kinds. Yeah. And Buckhead certainly has all kinds, but um, we have found a lot of wonderfully down to earth Mm-hmm. terrific people. Yeah. I just would want for people who listen in other states or other countries yeah, yeah. to understand that moving for a family to move to Buckhead is a Manhattan kind of decision, is a San That's Francisco a kind of decision. Yeah. It's, a good way to put it. it's leaving the suburbs mm-hmm. and going into tall buildings, mm-hmm. lots of traffic, mm-hmm. little green, mm-hmm. more gray, and making a decision to take your children into the city. Yes. Yes. City Atlanta school system, which even the sound of that initially felt scary but it, it's been one it's been great it's yeah. been a great transition and yeah. our kids have done great and it's been a big deal but we've loved it and you've been there for two months so you moved at the beginning of the school year kind Be, of right at the beginning I mean we, I think we moved yeah exactly one week before school started yeah how yeah. old are your kids 10, 8, 6, 4, and 2. Attaboy, yeah. golly. <laughs> I mean, be fruitful and multiply. Line you are not just replacing up. yourself. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah, we have five kids. And, and you can lot. keep them, um, they stay on the evens and odds. <laughs> yeah, until the last, honestly, the last one is about to turn two, and then they're all going to have a birthday in a bit. So it'll be 11, 9, 7, 5, and then two. We, we thought we were done at four, and then honestly, I think my wife was more like, it's probably one of the more clear times that she's heard from God, mm. uh, and I would have probably as many kids as she would be willing to have, yeah. but I think in a healthy marriage, that is, the wife controls that decision, so really? I just, I think so. I mean, I think the husband should and could have influence, but I just think it's her call. I Tell me why. The, I'm the least married here, so, yeah, I'm, yeah. so I don't, but I'm interested in that. Well, because just... Just to bring the child into the world, you think about the amount of effort that goes into it for on her each body. Side. Yes, yeah. and it is just completely imbalanced. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that a woman does. I mean, the the, the side effects to pregnancy, it blows my mind. Yeah. And so now, like, I don't know why I'm getting close to turning forty, so I do know why. And I've started having heartburn. Yeah. This, I hope that's not TMI for your listeners, but uh, that's the least TMI <laughs> okay, possible right, around here. You're fine. Um, and my wife's just like. Do you know how much heartburn I had on a daily basis being pregnant? Like just being Mm. pregnant brought Mm -hmm. heartburn, which, and then the back pains. I mean, just all of it. It's just crazy. And so um, I just feel like I can't be the one to tell her, or I'm not going to be the one to say, oh, we need to have another child. That's just, I feel like that's her call. And so I think a lot of husbands throw up the stop sign for a lot of other reasons, like financial implications and but I just feel like it's the greatest use of our time. And so I just would have as many if she wanted to have. So anyway, yeah. so she thought she was done at four. I would, she knew I was willing to have more, wanting to have more. And yeah. so she was like, let's have a fifth. But it threw off our even, <laughs> even split. That was a long the answer to it. of it <laughs> yeah, did the not scheduling. go as that's planned. Exactly right. That's exactly right. I just think that's really um, interesting. I'll be, and I, I'm, again. Do you disagree? I don't know. I don't think so. But I just don't, I, I couldn't, I mean, that's like yeah. talking about building a building. I've never done it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know that yeah. I can disagree or agree, but I think it's a very generous stance for you to have as a husband. And it seems like a very um, respectful and kind conversation to have with your wife of, hey, this is your body. 
and I would love to keep doing this, but you, you probably get the, because the other option is a woman who secretly stops a pregnancy or secretly has a pregnancy yep. because her husband has an opinion, but they don't talk about it. Yep. Yep. And so yep. I think that's, so I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't disagree. I just liked hearing your thoughts. Any opinions you want to share are so welcome here. Mm, play. I just think mm. it's interesting more than anything else. I can't um, wait to tell my wife we had this conversation. <laughs> what did y'all talk about? I'm like, well, we started with pregnancy and whose call that is. What's her name? Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. Oh, I do know that. I know that. We we share a bazillion mutual friends, so yeah. I knew that. I love what you said right when I got here that our mutual friends go deep. Yeah, the well is very deep. So people we know. Yes. Um, what do you see God doing in Atlanta right now? What made you decide yeah. to move into Buckhead? What? Why was that right for y'all? I mean, it was a it was a little bit on assignment. So sure. you got to I got to start there. Andy Stanley asked me to do it, and so um, but we definitely had. I mean, we, we're it's it's a it's a free country. You know, right. we had to choose to do it. That's right. We definitely feel like we're parachuting in as missionaries. I would say what is going on, my contemporaries, the people I am around a lot, Christian, non-Christian, Jesus followers, and those who aren't necessarily, busyness, I mean, just a lack of margin, um, burning the candles at both ends, a lot of pressure, a lot of keeping up with the Joneses, a lot of... um, pursuing an appearance of success, uh, even beyond pursuing success. Hmm. I would say that's probably the, I mean, and then obviously I think if you asked counselor, which I have asked, I, I try to regularly ask counselors, what are you seeing? Yeah. And I mean, anxiety, 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 um, a lot of depression, uh, a lot of stress. I mean, mental health is just such a maybe more important than it's ever been before. And it's getting more airtime. I think the the scariest part for me about mental health is there are a lot of voices speaking about mental health that maybe shouldn't Mm -hmm. or that don't necessarily know. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Jared Wilson, um, who committed suicide recently. um, I've been around him just a little bit. We knew each other enough to be able to call him friend. And I can't speak to that because I've never I've never really dealt with suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel so hesitant to speak about that. But I do love the fact that we're willing to have more of a conversation about it than we yeah. ever have before. Yeah. I, I think that's so interesting when I'm thinking about my friends listening and their lives, whether they're leading a church or a company mm-hmm. or a school or a hospital, you know, wherever they are leading to ask a counselor what they're seeing. Mm. I've never thought of that. Do you mm-hmm. just like, you just have friends who are counselors yeah. or the people in the church and you just go, hey, give me a rundown yeah. of the top five things you talked about this week. Yeah. I just asked that question That's frequently. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a system to do it, but every time I see one of the, I mean, we refer to so many counselors. We can't, uh, we don't have enough counselors. Oh, that's It the is truth. crazy how um, that is such an important field right now. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just a hell, it's an easy way to, Lick your finger and That's stick it up right. in the wind and That's figure right. out what, what's happening, what's, right. what's happening in the world. Which I think as a person who helps lead a church here in Nashville, it is so important to me as well to feel like I have a pulse on yep. what is going on outside of my friend group. Yep, yep. What I, the bigger story is. Yeah, and it makes you a better communicator, I think. Mm-hmm. What, what is that line? Some Somebody said that, that you're holding the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other, mm. that that's our role as preachers. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an archaic thing to say now because who holds a newspaper? <laughs> right, right. You'll hold your phone open on Twitter <laughs> yeah, that's right. and that's the right. other hand a Bible. That's right. <laughs> that's, right. Um, that's really what this book is about, though, is about our emotional state. 
And it's been an interesting ride too because so much of, uh, I've had so many conversations with people initially about distractions because that's in the title. Yeah. But really distraction was the way for me to get into talking about what I really wanted to talk about, which is we are more anxious, depressed, stressed than ever before. We're also more medicated than ever before. And I think we're becoming more and more emotionally incompetent. Mm. And I would say one of the greatest problems or maybe the greatest hindrances for us growing in that area is all of the distractions in the world. Yeah. So it's been an interesting fall because we've had um, Jefferson Bethke, mm-hmm. um, Emily Lay, John Mark Comer, Rebecca Lyons, and you. Mm-hmm. And everyone is riding on the same theme of the world feels like too much and too, too busy much. and too fast. Mm-hmm. And and we have to slow down. Yeah. yeah. And I just think, tell me what that feels. I, I mean, to hear that everybody's saying that as well. Yeah. Well, I think I totally agree. It's just, it's, it's, awesome. it's self-evident yes. as well. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I whenever I do this talk in front of a crowd, I'll, I'll say, hey, how many, you know, it, raise your hand if you feel like the world, there's more distractions in the world today than there has been in the past. And yeah. uh, unanimously, everybody's hand goes up. Yep. Um, obviously, the culprits are pretty evident as well. Social media, I mean, the phone in general, technology, email. Netflix, I mean, all, all of the way, Amazon shopping, um, yeah. Holler. At, right. I mean, all the things that are so easy to access now have created so many more distractions. But mm. I think what what I see is the cost to it. On the other side of this, the distraction is, I think, what we're missing out on. Um, I use this example, but um, do you remember when, and this is obviously not a political conversation, but do you remember when, when Trump was elected, Obviously, the our country was at least fifty percent of the country was outraged, uh-huh. and there were professors that were canceling class and telling students they didn't have to take the test the next day. Right? Would that have been your experience and in college? No, zero percent. No. <laughs> I, when I saw I can't that, imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine them canceling class or that. But and 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 maybe maybe that's more of an indictment on how outraged people were, or not an indictment, but more just more evident of how outraged people were. But I also think. It just seems like we are becoming less and less resilient or mm. less and less able to deal with our emotions. And, and I'm not saying, yeah, I guess back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe the answer when you felt inadequate was just to rub some dirt on it and get over yeah, it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not advocating for that, that I think there is a – we are more gracious and tolerant and open to giving people space to be able to process – but I also think we're just avoiding more. I we're think distracting that's really ourselves more from having to actually. I mean, when 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 we were kids and you felt frustrated about something, I just think we were forced to deal with it more. We had to face it more versus, well, let's just go watch an entire season of whatever it is that somebody might watch yeah. to distract themselves from that noise that's inside of us. When you say that, when you talk about the distractions, there's a clear theme and there is a need for resilience. Mm-hmm. How do the distractions keep us from from being good at resilience? Yeah. What's the singular? What's the yeah, resilient? From being more resilient. From being resilient. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. From resilient more. <laughs> like, how, is it resilient? Yeah. I'm getting so resilient, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think. Thank you. You're welcome. I that's what you do for a living. As my dad loves when people <laughs> say that. He always says, he said that was a great question. <laughs> um yeah, this is this is what I'm finding. I like the I like the illustration of white noise. So let me just use this illustration yeah. real quickly. And I think it might be a, a roundabout way to answer that question. But we use a lot of white noise 
in our house. Mm-hmm. So I think it started when with little kids, you turn up the noise. But I, I was in a counseling office uh, just last week meeting with my counselor, and there was a lot of white noise there as well. Yeah. Very common in counseling practice. Yep, mine we has act- it too. Same. Yeah, she said some. They're outside everyone's door. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we pump it into our office complex where our the majority of our staff work. Yeah, just yeah. white noise, just mm-hmm. a buzz. That's right. That's right. And that's really? pretty common in a lot of corporate office spaces as well. Just because, you know, when you're working really close to people, you don't want to have to hear what everybody's saying, yeah. and so the noise. It's interesting because the white noise masks that uh, those things we don't want to hear. Uh-huh. And I think that distractions might be the greatest way we're masking what it is we don't want to feel. Mm. And so to your question of why is the distraction keeping us from being more resilient, I think because the pain that is inside of us is what builds our strength in life, yeah. right? I mean, yes. that's when we grow the most is when we're going through the hardest time. Which I hate because I'm a seven and I don't want to feel pain. Exactly, but, yes. exactly. Me too. It's why I hate the weight room because the weights are heavy yep. and it builds resistance, which builds strength, unfortunately. And I think the the that's the way resilience is built. I mean, that's, that's count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, yeah. that you should count it joy because you're going to get stronger but it also hurts. And so we're right. like, ah, I don't like the way that feels. I mean, most of our negative, uh, most of the negative emotions inside of us come from some kind of pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a aha moment for any one of you us. You could of get quoted on Twitter for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly. real. But it's right. It's real, though. And so, uh, of course, we would distract ourselves. Yeah. And so the way I kind of picture it, the mental image of um, that we all have our fingers on the knob of some kind of white noise that we turn up mm-hmm. because it masks what it is we don't want to feel. And of course, we would be better if we just turned the noise down and actually dealt with it yeah. because it would build some resistance and some resilience. Mm-hmm. We'd, we'd be more resilient, y'all. Yeah, that's right. We'd be more <laughs> resilient. I am having a conversation with this week with a friend that we've kind of had a little bit of a misunderstanding. And what I have to say to myself is, mm-hmm. this is easier than last time, isn't it? The, it will be easier next time. Oh, like is this so is good. building, like I have to say to myself, the first time you ever had to have a hard conversation with a friend, about ruined your life. Yeah. That's not how this feels. Look, you like the resilience of walking into pain. Yeah. I just have had, I have to coach myself to do it this week. That is a great line because it does get easier. Yeah. Yeah. It does get easier because I'm, for lack of a better, if we're saying with the muscle analogy, I'm stronger. Yep. And so I can lift something heavier, even though it still doesn't feel fun. I'm still not enjoying it, but I go, hey, you've done this before. And it would be so much easier to just distract yourself and keep yourself busy and continue to do all the other stuff. And then anytime anybody brings up her name, you'd have to be like, oh, I don't want to think about that. And you just turn up the music louder. Yes. Which I love that. Uh, There's a 21 Pilots on car radio that talks about that. that Basically, Uh he gets his radio jack from his car. And then all of a sudden, the fear that has been there the whole time. It's not like the fear just arrived when his radio got stolen. Yeah. It had been there the whole time. But now that he has no radio, he's going crazy because Mm -hmm. he can't deal with this fear that's inside Mm -hmm. of him. I think the same thing is true that even even in a relationship, there are things that need to be addressed that it's just easier to turn up the – I mean, I think it's why most – you know. Most marital relationships are just two people staring at their phone in the same room, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And it's just easier to do that yeah. and avoid the pain of having to deal with the stuff that we don't want to deal with. So the easy, when I'm thinking about what I do to distract myself, the easy answer is social media. I mean, that's yes. that's the like low-hanging fruit that all of us get yeah. on our phones and 
don't want to be lonely or don't want to think about it or whatever. Yeah. What are can you give me some other ones yeah. that are going to make us cringe a little bit yeah. more? Like if you wrote a book on it, what you would like take it <laughs> yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. layers deeper <laughs> yeah, yeah, than yeah. that. If one were to have written a book <clears throat> called How to Lead in a World yeah. of Distraction. That's where I stopped. It's just at social media. Yeah, so. you're like, you guys, put your phones down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here it comes. I did have a friend say that. He's like, yeah, I mean, uh, I get the message is just put your phone down. But it's hopefully it's more than that. Yes, um, there's one chapter is. where I talk about um, it's specific to leaders. But again, uh, not again, but let me just say this. I wrote a book a couple of years ago called How to Lead You're Not in Charge. Yeah. And the big it's idea. It's really good. Well, thank you. The big idea is that authority is not what creates leadership. It's not what makes a leader great. Mm-hmm. That what, what makes a leader great, what really great leadership is really influence. And so all of this is under the banner of uh, we're not in charge. And mm-hmm. we're in, stuck in the, I'm, I'm kind of picturing anybody stuck in the middle of an organization or anybody who doesn't have a big title, doesn't have a bathroom in their office. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like the most pastory thing to get to do yes. is to have a bathroom yes. in your office, your own parking spot. We do not. We share with the entire building. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's true. But your office is dope. Thanks. Yeah, Very we love dope. it. Thank you. Um, how many of you recorded in here? Uh, you're probably like maybe 10. Okay, Number 10. You're, 10. T- you're brand new. Yeah, yeah, it you're, is you're so fresh cool. in. Thank so you. Cool. You're kind. I really see leadership as not just something that, you know, a corporate white collar kind of position that really every single one of us has the potential, the opportunity to, to be a leader. So I, I wrote a chapter on the three. I think they're the most, they're at least the most common for me when I think about the leadership world of the, the things that I turn up. Uh, one of them is the appearance of success. Mm. Um, that I just want to be seen as a great leader, as somebody who's doing successful things. And unfortunately, too many of us care more about being seen as successful than actually being successful. And that's a dangerous thing for leaders. But I just... Well, I think that's true for moms. I think that's true for single people. It's it's what Instagram thrives off of is... Yes, the appearance of success. The appearance of success. Whether it's how you treat your body, it's it's why people retweet when they get quoted yep. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I mean it's because they want yeah. to rep- appear yeah. successful so much you yeah. Know, you yeah just responded to them and said thank you so much yeah so the idea would be that when there's something inside of me or inside of my organization or team or personal life or wherever that I don't want to deal with it's just easier to just turn up the appearance of success and go mm-hmm. no, no no everything's cool everything's good everything's successful um, secondly the appeal of progress I love progress. When I was um, when I was in high school, I had a landscaping company called Lovers Lawn Care. Okay, we cut what you hate. Oh, beautiful! What, what? Wow. Um, but the, I just, I love I do love lawn care. I love mowing the grass because you see your progress. Yeah, you, know, you can see the stripes and you yeah. can see what you've actually done. Um, I think the same thing is true in mo- most organizations. It's just hard to see progress. It's hard to see progress in life. Right. And that's why discipline is so difficult because it, you know, it's the whole reap and sow thing and you don't, you, you, you sow it and then you don't reap it till later on. Yeah. It's usually later. It takes so long. It takes so long. <laughs> As sevens, Lord. we're just like, yeah. really? It's the afternoon and I'm like, I'm not bu- <laughs> Right? I'm not yoked yet. Yeah, two sevens who are almost 40 are like, uh, it's supposed to be like this. <laughs> right. This is hard. Um, I I just love the feeling of progress. And I yeah. think progress in life keeps us from making some of the decisions we need to make to back up. I mean, this counseling appointment that I mentioned just last week, going to that appointment, even that felt like is this good? Is this a good use of my time? And I always yeah. feel that way going in. Yeah. Now coming out, I'm always like, why do I not do that yeah. more often? Yeah. 
because you you it is easier to recognize the progress on the back end than it is the front end. Um, and then thirdly, that. That's uh, true. the the allure of certainty. Annie, another thing I feel like you do a great job of is you seem impervious to the this thing that needs to be certain. You seem very willing to say like, I don't know, we should figure that out. Yeah. But there is so much of that in the pastoral world. There's so much of that in the leadership world, though, where people just feel this. Um, I just want to be seen as somebody who's certain, who knows what yeah. I'm doing. Who I can make sure, the call. Make the call. Push the button. And so right. we just turn that up as opposed to actually facing. Like, it's hard to look inside of yourself and say, huh, I don't know what to do with that. Uh-huh. I should probably figure that out. I mean, you lead a team at church and you also have a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. I mean, you must have to. What's that like parenting where you don't get to have the necessarily correct answer? Well, I think it goes back to influence, that the best way to lead, the best way to parent is through influence. And so I really try to think about gaining influence. I should be thinking about cultivating influence at work, but I should be thinking about cultivating influence at home as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. That the best parents are the ones that don't parent out of their authority but parent out of influence. Mm. And it's really, I mean, it's it's Philippians too. It's the way Jesus led. You know, Paul says, hey, be more like Jesus who, and then he wrote that beautiful doxology that he poured himself out. He didn't leverage his authority as something to be grasped. And I think think I'm 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 the best kind of dad when I'm fathering out of uh, the influence that I've gained and not demanding that you do what I tell you to do because I have authority. Now, of course... If our two, year, the older they get, the more you lean on influence. That's you know, right. when it's our two-year-old, I'm not going to be like, "Hey, buddy, like, have you been? Do you feel loved by me? Would you be? <laughs> would you get out of the middle of the street? Like, yeah, there's a car you coming. Be willing you know, to... Would you be willing? I mean, yeah. if it feels good to you, you know. No, <laughs> there are times. Do you trust me yeah, Exactly. And, exactly. Yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting the conversation with Clay to tell you about some of our sponsors today. Grateful for our friends over at Liquid IV. It is the fastest, most effective way to stay hydrated. If you're trying to drink more water, which this is a great time of year, go ahead and start. Start drinking more water while you're out going to your Christmas parties and eating your treats. Liquid IV hydrates you two to three times faster and more efficiently than water alone with an added bonus of vitamin C, B3, B5, B6, and B12. Liquid IV also helps prevent jet lag and headaches while traveling, which I think is really important because I bet all of us are going somewhere in the next couple of weeks. It's TSA friendly, the little packets are, and they are perfect for on-the-go travelers and help to keep your skin hydrated while you're flying and can be used before, during, or after flights. And believe it or not, a lot of people end up more dehydrated in the winter months than the summer because cold weather tends to make us more likely to miss the signs of dehydration and less likely to keep refilling our water bottles. Liquid IV has the easy, healthy fix for winter dehydration. You just put one stick, like one little packet, in 16 ounces of water, and that gives you two to three times the hydration of water alone. We have a couple of different boxes here at the office, and I've actually found for my water bottle that's 32 ounces, if I'll put a packet in that a couple of times a day, I feel so different. And the flavors are super delicious. I love the acai berry flavor. That's one of my very favorites. So we are loving it here at Downs Books HQ. 
Another thing that I really love about Liquid IV is it's a healthy alternative to those traditional sugary sports drinks. There's no artificial flavors, no preservatives like Pedialyte or Gatorade. It's non-GMO, it's vegan, and it's free of gluten, dairy, and soy. It's all clean ingredients, which makes me love it all the more. I love Liquid IV. So is everybody else here at Downs Books HQ. And we know you're going to love it too. So right now, my friends get 25% off at liquidiv.com. When you use my code, that sounds fun at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. So go to liquidiv.com, enter my promo code, that sounds fun to get your savings and start getting better hydration. That's liquidiv.com, promo code, that sounds fun. Don't wait, you guys. Go ahead and start now getting properly hydrated. Also, thanks to our friends at Samaritan Ministries. You need a way to pay for your healthcare, friends. Everyone does. Like many others in our country, you might be looking for a solution to paying your medical bills during open enrollment. Look no further. I'm telling you, friends, healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries not only helps you pay for your healthcare, it connects you to a body of believers who actively care about you, your health journey, and God's work in your life. As a member, I send my money directly to another Samaritan member each month to help them pay for their medical bills. When they receive the money I send, along with my note of prayer and healing, just like that, this stranger becomes a part of my world. I've become a part of theirs. I get to help them in a time of need and pray for them specifically. I may never interact with them again, but this moment, our lives intersect. I think that's really cool. When I have medical bills, these total strangers are faithful to reach out and help me financially and spiritually. Samaritan Ministries bases their direct sharing process on the example of the early church in Acts 2. The church has been around for 2,000 years, and I'm telling you, this method still works. That's a tried and true method if there ever was one. So find out more about Samaritan Ministries healthcare sharing at SamaritanMinistries.org forward slash that sounds fun. And now back to Clay. I would just think that all three of those are so thought provoking to me in my personal life as well mm-hmm. as my professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also would imagine that there's distractions that you have faced as a pastor with people like drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's very common, sure. Yeah, especially when you can hide it. Yep. Or Prescription when, pills. Yeah, that, who yeah. you are. I mean, this sounds like the church trio, but it is actually the trio of things that we run to when yeah. we're, but also relationships, relationships with others. I mean, I got a text from a man at 1240 the other night, and Hello. I thought... You, this is an emotional booty call. You, oh you don't want us. You don't want to show up over here, mm. but you sure are trying to cover up something you feel. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm zero percent. Am mm-hmm. I engaging this with you right now? Yep. And 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 so and you have tons of singles and tons of well, as if single people are the only ones texting people they're not married say, to. Unfortunately, but yeah. Tell me relationally how you see yeah. that. Why do we why do we use other people as distractions? Yeah, I love you know Andy Stanley's got that dating book, Love, Sex, and Dating, and yeah. he prescribes a one year take a year off dating. That's quieting the noise. That's what he's doing. Yeah. He's saying, hey, take a year, turn down the noise. In fact, get your finger off the knob. Yeah, because for so many people, dating a relationship is just uh, something I look to. It's something I and and the truth about life that I found is that everything can be a drug. So. Literally, Everything can the be list. A drug. I mean, we could make the list, that, and it could be all the wall. Yeah, we could fill up all these walls yep. with. Here's a, all the things that people use as drugs, but certainly relationship is one that 
you know, the serial daters or the people that just have to have people around all mm-hmm. the time, even, mm-hmm. which that that's my curse mm-hmm. is I had a really hard time as an adult learning that I was going to be okay if I was by myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, married feeling that way. Um, right. It, but definitely when I was, uh, I spent a couple of years in Dallas, Texas, and it was the loneliest time of my life because I was fresh out of college and college if you like people, you're going to love college. That's right. <laughs> you know that's right. But 24-7. Somebody's I mean, awake. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody that's right. Is. That's right. And so moving as an adult to Dallas, Texas for me was a lonely experience. And it was before you and Jenny were married? Yeah, it was before yeah. I was married. And I, But even still, though, I mean, to think that people are only lonely when they're single, loneliness is pervasive in yeah. our culture. And, yeah. and it's there's a stigma attached to it. People, people aren't willing to talk about loneliness. Um, there's something that feels really weak about saying you're lonely. I think we don't know how to respond to each other when we say that we're lonely. And so we just, it's just something we rarely talk about. But that's yeah. a loneliness is a great example of something that is inside of us that we feel we don't like it. And there's something we reach for every time and we turn it up. And whether that guy, maybe it was the phone that he reaches for, which ultimately for him might be relationships. But yeah, it could be pornography, it could be alcohol, it could be work. I mean, the most, challenging thing is that ministry can oh. be a noise for people. It can be Go a distraction yep. where we just get so addicted. I mean, I asked somebody this the other day, but this dude preaches six times a weekend. <gasps> I was like, man, how do you, how many, how many do y'all do? We do four. Which do you do all four mm-hmm. live? Yeah, you do four live. I mean, do you, but that's are, a max. I, I don't think I could do are one you more. wiped after that? The third one is is hardest for me. Okay. Um, but then we have a break and then there's an evening uh, service. Uh, so there's okay. three morning three and row. then a break. Yeah. So that third one in the morning. You're like, whoo. But also, and this is true for you too, it is such an it is such a joy that I'm always yeah. like, these yeah. are my people. Yeah, I'm not tra- I didn't travel anywhere as my church. But yeah, yeah. but yes, it, it still is yes. not easy. But six a weekend. Six a weekend and like forty eight weekends a year. And I was just <gasps> asking, how do you do that? And he it, I loved his honesty because he was like, Man, honestly, I think it, I've been doing it so long. I think I would miss it if I didn't do it. And it is, it probably has become some form of addiction to me that I just yeah. love it. Yeah. But anything really can be an addiction. Anything can be a, a distraction we turn to, to keep us from feeling what it is we don't want to feel. Yeah. And so that's the message of this book is turn down for what? Yeah, that's for right. For the sake of discovery. <laughs> for the sake of your soul. Your soul. Because yeah. the be- you cannot lead beyond your emotional capacity to lead. And if you want to be a better leader, if you want to be a better, a better human, you have to grow. You have to, the way Sean C. in Athens yeah, yeah. says it, that you have to trend toward emotional health. Yeah. None of us are going to become that's a emotional great health. way to say it. It's not a destination. You, that's right. You, you don't land there and be like, oh my gosh, I am emotionally healthy. Right. Does When people tell me that they are emotionally aware or they're self-aware, I'm like, no, you're not because you wouldn't have told me that. <laughs> You'd have kept that part to that's yourself. Right. Yeah, that's um, right. That's Pete right. Scazzaro, such a great voice on this topic. Yeah. He's got emotionally healthy leader. He says uh, that most people at best maybe are 60% self-aware, yeah. which I think is probably fair, yeah. I guess. But the more emotionally aware, the more self-aware you become, the better you will be as a human. And the best leaders are the most emotionally aware, the, mo- the most emotionally healthy leaders. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's just the way leadership works. I was going to ask you, do y'all talk sure. about leadership much on your podcast? Uh, sh- no. I mean, yes, but no, we don't. Okay. It, not for a purpose. Is that bad? No, I just was curious. But again, I don't see leadership as – I think that's pro, that's part of what, what I have really enjoyed about this. The, uh, the publisher was telling me one day, they were like, hey, we're really finding a lot of like regular people 
are buying your fir- the first yes. book, How to Leave Me Not in Charge. And and I was like, and then they then at, in the same sentence they talked about it being in truck stops. And I'm like, so I'm going to be the leadership guru for truckers. Yeah, you know, that's like yeah. that's I've nailed it in life. Yeah. you know. Well, um, to me, what we talk about here is how to live your life well. And what I genuinely believe is everyone's leading. people there is no one who isn't leading someone now you may be leading one person Mm -hmm. uh you're leading the 50 who follow you on instagram Mm -hmm. you're leading the ones who grow up in your house or like we talked about pastor drew was here before i'm leading his children Mm -hmm. now i'm not parenting them drew and jamie are parenting massive influence but i have influence in their lives right so all i call my mini bffs all my friends kids I am a leader in their life. So it it, it matters to me to talk about leadership and study leadership. I probably don't call it that all the time. That's a better way to think about it. Because when I think of leadership, I think of like the person in charge. That's just the way most people are wired to think about leadership. But leadership is a... I think it really is a, a stewardship of influence that you have with the people yes. around you, yes. whether you have any authority of them or not. Yeah, that's right. And that makes sense from the system you are in, Yes, that for you to think like that, my system is what are my friends doing and what are people listening doing? Mm-hmm. And so, okay, one of the things I'd love for you to talk about the relational piece, just because yeah. I want to push on people about this, yeah. is if I am lonely in my singleness mm-hmm. and I turn to my phone at midnight and text a man, mm-hmm. that will not change in my marriage. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Is that true? That I, I think well, that's a theory that's true. That after after the honeymoon phase is worn off, there are still other men on the planet. Yes, and I think every habit in your life to think that it's just going to all of a sudden change once you magically get married, right? Yeah, that's just not. Or have true. kids, or, or get that kids. job you've wanted, yes, or yes. move to that city. Yes. Someone a couple of weeks ago said. I thought when I moved, I would le- I had left behind my issues, but they mm. moved with me. Mm. And you're just like, yeah, that's yeah, they that's actually real for real. They go into the basement of your heart and they just do push-ups. Mm. They just get swole down there. Listen. That's what they do, as opposed to actually turning down the noise and saying, look, the best thing I could do because as now, so then. If I'm not dealing with it now, I'm not going to be able to be healthier then. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and turn around now, look inside, and start dealing with it. Now, why don't we do that? Because it is hard work yeah. and it takes effort and yeah. that, but it is so worth it for whoever you end up marrying down the road. Sure. Because you'll be better for it. They'll be better for it. I mean, we think about our, our parents. How much do you wish your parents would have processed their stuff? But sure. they, I don't, I don't, most, most people, I mean, that generation just was not the most processed generation. Yeah. Um, but they would be better for it if they had been. Yeah. And we have so many more resources than they had. It seems like when I think about the greatest generation, the World War II, Tom Brokaw, all that business, I just kind of go like, when I look across the spectrum of the generation above me, who are parented by the generation, the greatest generation, mm-hmm. I think, no, y'all are still racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. No, y'all y'all still didn't all, like the generations before us mm-hmm. still didn't go to counseling. Mm-hmm. They still didn't deal mm-hmm. with their pain. They still weren't always kind to their children. Mm-hmm. They still like, they fought wars and I'm thankful. Yes. And they're probably like, well, we didn't have time to do all that stuff because that's we right. were like working Maybe. in the fields and stuff. Yeah, so that's right. Know. Right. Which seems, which is totally fair, right, but it just right. feels very like, y'all, y'all didn't do this great. Well, yeah, I don't. I, I do think part of it is a gift that we have that we have arrived at such a place as a culture, as a society, that we can process our stuff. Yes, and that's particularly true for us as privileged white people. That is true. That is true. Not everybody has the time or the space to be able to do that yes. when you're when you're working three jobs or yep. working shift work. But 
at the same time, we are now arriving where we know so much more. We know yeah. the power of emotion of being emotionally processed. We're also intersecting with this time in life where or time in the world where there are so many distractions as well. Yeah. And so I think that's why this conversation is so important because we we can we have more tools than ever before. I mean, you can take classes on it. You can. Mm-hmm. There, there's so many ways to get. I mean, our our church offers so much free counseling, not not necessarily professional, but lay counseling. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many opportunities where you can process your stuff, but we're just so unlikely to because there's so much noise in the yeah. world. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's my question, Clay. We turn down the noise. Mm-hmm. We do the thing. We stop the yeah. the patterns that have been unhealthy. We put away social media for Advent. We decide that for the you know for the Christmas season we are not going to be on social media, or we decide for you know okay 2020 is coming and I'm going to take the year off of Facebook or whatever which we all would be better for with an election coming. We honestly would be. I mean, there's like research that has shown that people are less happy the more they're on social media. Yes. I believe it. I believe it. Tell me what happens when you turn down the noise Yeah, Yeah. and why it's worth going through what happens when you turn down the noise to get to the other side. Well, I think the best thing that happens is you find something out. You discover. On the other side of distraction is discovery. And I feel like distraction is one of Satan's greatest tools that if he can't destroy us, he's going to distract us. And if you can get on the other side of the distraction, what we find is is we find out something. Mm -hmm. There's some kind of discovery. So for me, I took a month off social media. I'll just use this as an example. So social media gets picked on a lot. But um, I love... One of the other ones that has helped me a lot, too, I'll come back to social media in just a second, but I love, um, a, a friend of mine introduced me to this idea. Take a month off any spontaneous, impromptu, um, impulsive purchases. That seems terrible. <laughs> I love that. I'm not You're interested like, in that. No. <laughs> For me, that's what I found on my, my, taking a month off social media is I took less pictures of my food, one. Number two. Mm, right. <laughs> Number two, I found that I wasn't really addicted to social media. I was addicted to my phone. And so I ended up just searching stuff that was just random. I checked the weather like constantly. Um, right. I, I also found that that feeling of this burden that I have to post or put some picture up of my life was exhausting. And so it was yeah. actually life-giving to be off for a month. But whatever it is, I just say experiment with it. Experiment with the noise. It might be driving to work with nothing on. You know, it's interesting when I ask crowds this question, hey, what are the common forms of noise? And I write them up on a board. Um, one of the most common ones, uh, obviously, news is a big one. Yeah. Some people just turn to news, um, whatever your source is. Uh, there are so many people that sleep to Netflix, specifically The Office. Yeah. It's the number one streamed show in the world. Do you know that? that is and crazy. that's why is people just that. run it. They just put, press play and yeah. let it just run. Yeah. But the, the the challenge would be, what if you just turned it down? And you can say podcast. It won't hurt my feelings. People well, I didn't want to say po- it. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> it's true. I do. It is I true. I see it in me where I go, Annie, you have listened to nine hours of podcasts in the last two days. See? What are you trying to avoid? So have you ever gotten under that? Like, what is that thing that makes you always listen to it? Yes. I mean, that's the that's the work, right? Of going, if things are quiet, yep. what do I hear yep. in my head? Uh-huh. And what do I feel? Exactly. And for me, so often, John Mark Comer and I talked about this, for me, so often it's loneliness. Oh, uh, wow. Well. It's that I'm not, if there's a voice, mm-hmm. I'm not alone. Mine is this drive to get better because I feel mm-hmm. like if I can perform, if I could, if there's something I could know, maybe I could perform better, which might wow. make me worth more. Yeah. Thanks so you're for listening your compassion, to the way you just listen to that. You're like, I oh, mean gosh, that is, I so know, hard. that is so hard. But it is real, though. Uh, it's so hard. Uh, that's what I was going to say because I'm listening to conversations and you're listening to probably sermons or, exactly. or, or, um, 
self-improvement yep, or, yep. yeah. Anything that would make me better. Yeah, just kind of bring, but also a healthy seven goes toward a five. So you're collecting information. Collecting the data, so, yeah. whether I do anything about it but or not. But for me, it is there are conversations going on around yep, me. Yeah. So, because um, John Mark and I were talking about, do you know him, by the way? I do, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Great. Um, Super wise. He and I were talking about, he said, you know, they treat their phones like children. They put them to bed at 830 and don't Love pick it. them up again until 9 a.m. Love it. And I was like, he said they parent them. That's not treating my children. They parent their phones. And I was like, I mean, that sounds great, but I, if I do that, I am alone. Yep. yep. And, and then what? And then what? Right. And he's like, well, go be with more friends or whatever. I was like, from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m., that's mm. when family's with mm. family. Yeah. And, and so tell me what happens for a yep. single person who parents their phone in a healthy way that does not, yep. fr- from 1030 to 7 a.m. Yeah. When it's... You know, this is a question that I have found helpful for my own life is God gave me that emotion. So loneliness Mm. is an emotion. Mm -hmm. Emotions are messengers. They're trying to alert us of something. Loneliness is an interesting emotion because it's actually an emotion that keeps us alive. So loneliness is alerting us of something that we weren't meant to be this way. And so we are feeling this sense of loneliness. So what do we do? So the question I like is. How would God have me deal directly with my loneliness? That's a great question. What does he want me to do with it? Yeah. And of course, the answer is he wants me to take it to him. Oh, right. Pass the plate. Raise your hands. Can we have the band to come out? Come on. Can we pad some music under that question? (laughs) I love padding music, period. But the truth is, Jesus on the cross dealt with our... He was separated Mm. from the Father. He dealt with loneliness. It was an invitation to intimacy. It, that we get to say yes to. Mm-hmm. And so are we going to be lonely in life? Yes, but we are never alone. And yeah. so I have to talk I have to talk to my loneliness. Mm. I have to speak to it. Yeah. And say, "Hey, you might be trying to tell me I'm alone. It's okay to be lonely. It's not okay to convince me I'm alone." Mm. And there's a big difference in being alone and being lonely. It doesn't mean that it's ever easier, but yeah. um, to me Inviting God into dealing with those emotions is such a better strategy. I mean, I have to do that with my inadequacy. I yeah, mean, I was going to say, do you do that with achieving same, too? Yes. Of like, what are you trying to prove? Mm-hmm. When are you ever going to get there? What's the goal here? What are you trying to, are you ever going to have earned enough accolades to where you feel like you've arrived? Mm-hmm. And of course the answer is, well, no. Yeah. Uh, another scene on the cross would be Jesus saying, hey, it's finished. That that stamp of approval that he gave me in that moment of saying, mm-hmm. hey, you are enough. Like yeah. you're enough. Stop. Stop yeah. trying. You can yeah. ever. I love that verse in Acts. I think it's Acts seventeen twenty five, where he says, "God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything." Yeah. How beautiful is that? That right. he doesn't need me to go perform for him. Yeah. That's the sick nature of ministry. That we. It's 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 worse than trying to perform. It feels like we're yeah. performing for him. Yes. Like he needs me to go. Yes. Save these people. On my worst days, I talk about him as my boss. Mm. Like, I don't know how you and I are supposed to get through this because you're also my boss mm. and you also run my job. Mm. And and we have some real personal problems yep. <laughs> that are bleeding over into my work life. <laughs> mm. Which <laughs> but, is such a great point that if you relate to him as a boss, I, I mean, that, I think that's the older brother in the prodigal son. He says to his Everyone's dad, laughing because everyone knows that I get called that a lot. <laughs> the older brother in the prodigal son story. So go ahead. You're so the older brother. Oh, my gosh. Well, he says, com, I am the older brother.com. I have been serving you all this time, slaving yes. away yes, for I've you. I've been slaving. Yes. And I'm sure the father was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're talking to me in these master servant terms. That's not what I wanted from you. I wanted yeah. this father child, this father daughter relationship. 
not boss servant. But if we see him as a boss, of course we're going to perform because we want to get to the end of the year and get that raise, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing is when you don't get the thing you want – professionally, personally, whatever, you go, wait, I work for you. I work for you. I work for you. What? Mm. I have been out here slaving. Slaving for And you. they're going to get the fattened calf? Mm-mm. Not interested in this Mm-mm. story. Mm-mm. Not Mm-mm. interested. You and want then the me lo- to dance? Yeah. yeah. Mm-mm. And then the Lord's like, yeah, you turned down the noise, didn't you? Because now you're hearing what's really in your heart. <laughs> that's exactly right. And yeah. that's where the growth is. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the emotional growth that happens when we finally get quiet and deal with the stuff. Yeah. And so why, you know, that's the... The, the joy of those times of being alone, the joy of turning down the noise and listening is that we would actually find out something that's there. Yeah. I think what I would encourage my friends as they're reading how to lead in a world of distraction and as they're identifying their distractions is when you turn it down and, and all of a sudden everything else is screaming mm. inside of you, mm. do not give up. No. Do not turn it back up. If it's screaming, that is really good. If whatever's inside of you is yelling. I love that. That you said it's really good. Yeah, it's terrible, but, but that's see it really as a good. Yeah. Yes, you've done it. I mean, I just have moments where, and you probably do too, where uh, it happened a few weeks ago where a friend of mine said, Let's go. See, it was my Sabbath, my day off in the week. She said, Let's go see Downton Abbey at 11 a.m. Mm. And I don't normally do technology on my Sabbath, but mm-hmm. I was really grieving and some stuff. And I was like, Yes, let us go. Mm. And I thought, I just need the noise up for three hours, and then I will be back to this. Yep. Is that ever allowed? Are we allowed to the, do that? I'm so glad you said that because uh, Debbie Causey, my counselor friend, uh, she works for our organization and runs all of our like extreme care situations. She says the same thing. She's like, she, she, when I ran this whole concept by her, she yeah. was like, now please tell people there are times where it is okay to turn up the noise. Like, for instance, if we had a friend that died today and somebody said, hey, let's go watch a movie and take our mind off of it. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah. Of course that's okay. Like some, there is such a, sometimes the level of emotional pain and trauma is too much to deal with in a moment. Yeah. And so I think it's completely appropriate to distract ourselves. The question yeah. is, are you constantly doing that? That's right. Because if you are, you're never going to grow as a human. Yeah. Um, and And there's just so many examples of, Friends of yours, I'm sure, friends of mine who you just want. It's so easy to see in other people. You just want so badly to go, would you turn it down? Because what you would hear is you would hear this noise that if you would deal with it, it would actually help you so much. And the beauty of our relationship with God, the beauty of the potential of a relationship with God is that he says, invite me into it. Let me just come in and deal with it with you. I'm not the kind of father that says, go clean your room up and then come back and talk. No, invite me into your room and I'll help you pick up the Legos. Yeah. That's the kind of dad he is, Yeah, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. When we talk about Sabbath here, a lot of times the response I get are from people with small kids who go like, my day doesn't, I don't have a day off. Mm-hmm. Like Annie's mm-hmm. life allows for that. Mm-hmm. Most women in my age bracket's life don't. Mm-hmm. And there are people who can't take a day off and whatever. There's all sorts of like, that won't work for my schedule mm-hmm. to even take time to think about that. Um, And that's a whole nother conversation. Yes, it will. It can happen, whatever. But when I think about people turning down the noise, talk to me, but talk to the men and women who are, maybe they stay at home with their kids and their number one place they lead right now is in the house. And that is 24 seven. Or she is leading a small group at church and she's on this committee at church and, and it it just feels like it doesn't stop. How do you turn down the noise when the noise is your children or your whole life. Responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, let me just say to you that I love what you said, that just because you can take a Sabbath, it's amazing how sometimes reverse it is that because you can, a lot of people don't. Yeah. That it's the ability that you can that sometimes keeps people from doing that altogether. So kudos to you for doing that because it, I don't, I, I think in, it doesn't necessarily make it easier just because you can. No. Now, to your point, though, there are people that would just say, you know, just like there are probably plenty of stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads that would say, well, I just can't do that because I'm always with them. And there's plenty of working people that would say, yeah. I can't because I got to work all the time. Like, that yeah. sounds nice for you, Pastor Boy. You yeah. know, you probably get yeah. to, like, sit in your office and tell everybody to be quiet so you can just, like, think about God <laughs> So you just stuff. feel whatever's yeah, on your insides. Just feel it all, it right? Like? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But... No, the thing is you prioritize anything in your life that's important. And that's so right. I don't th- – that's that's what I try to get people out of. I use language – I really rooted all of these practices. The, the back of the book is really four, four practices, four habits for turning down the noise, and they're rooted in spiritual disciplines. Yeah. But I tried to give them names that were not spiritual discipline names, um, for one, just to make them more fun. Right. But two, to give them handles for people that – in 2019. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It might be turned off by a spiritual discipline. But um, I, I like the idea of – a Sabbath doesn't have to be a 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, in the Old Testament, when right. God originally introduced that idea to right. us, it was a 24-hour period, but it doesn't have to be. Right. I mean, it could be, you could take an hour Sabbath. Your yep. lunch could be your Sabbath. Yep. Um, fasting. Fasting doesn't have to be fasting from food. It can be fasting from anything. Really, anything that you think might be that thing that you reach for, mm-hmm. that might need to be what you fast from. I mean, for me, straight up, it probably is desserts. Yeah. I love baking um, with our oldest child as a daughter. Her name's Lucy. And ever since she was little, we just baked together. Yeah. And honestly, having kids is just an, it's an excuse to eat more desserts. Yeah. Because you know? there's always people You're up. like, yeah, let's keep having more that's kids. Right, more dessert right, for me. Right. Anybody want to go get ice cream? <laughs> just me? Okay. <laughs> no <laughs> way is, in a house of five kids. Somebody no, wants somebody to go. Somebody wants to go. Yeah, that right. is exactly right. That's right. Um, but I just, you know, same thing. I get to I get to that point like around two in the afternoon and I start feeling like I need like something to. Oh, I went to y'all's uh, No Baked today. Oh, it's so good, right? It's wrong. Yeah. Like that is just straight cookie dough. It's straight cookie dough. It is amazing. It's delicious. (laughs) It's amazing. It's so good. Yeah. I remember uh, I'm allergic to dairy as of, it it was an adult onset, so Mm. 2013. But I remember the first six months of that, I would get angry. And I was Mm. going like, what is happening because you can't have pizza, you're mad. I don't get mad. I mean, I get mad, but I don't really get mad. That's mm-hmm. not one of my go-to emotions. Mm-hmm. And it was turning down the noise. Yeah. The noise for me was what I was mm-hmm. getting to eat mm-hmm. when I was having an emotion I didn't want to mm-hmm. face. And when suddenly God has been kind enough to give me a dairy allergy, it makes me unable to listen to that noise anymore. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I am in a bad space. you got to just deal with it. Yep. Yeah, and literally that summer, that summer, that summer I had the meltdown that put me in counseling that I got oh, on a plane wow. and flew away. It was, oh, it was wow. real, real, real. It's like real counseling. Oh, yeah, it was like my people were like, there. oh, you you flew away and didn't tell anybody where you were going. You mm-hmm. need to see a counselor. Mm-hmm. And and it was, I'm just realizing in this moment, it was six months after I quit dairy. Mm-hmm. It was like the noise was so loud for so long that, yep. so... That is, so it's just everywhere. It anything could be can be anything, a drug. Anything, anything can be a drug. That is be. unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I just, I want our friends who 
maybe aren't leading a company, but there are a lot of people who are listening that do lead companies or lead teams at their yeah. company or their church. Um, but for people who are chefs at a restaurant That's or right. staying at home or students and barista, yeah, a barista that, that there is a way you can convince yourself that the, that the noise is not possible to turn down, but it is. It, it, it absolutely is. And unfortunately the, the reason why I know it is, is because there are times in life where it gets turned down for us. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, I could have turned it down. I mean, to me, it's yeah. the, I mean, I told, I was talking to our team about this recently. Some of them were just telling me it's a hard, they have a hard time attending one of our services because they're always working. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what about when you take a vacation day? What do you do then? And they're like, well, I mean, we just figured out and we make it work. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah we would figure it out that. and we'd make it work, you yeah. know, because that's what we would do. And that's what the Sabbath does. The, the Sabbath fasting, it puts us in touch with our humanity to let us know, mm-hmm. hey, you're going to die one day. Like yeah. you're going to leave this earth and yeah. we're going to have an awesome celebration and yeah. we're going to party and yeah. we're going to celebrate you. And then the earth is going to fill in around you. Yes. And it's just going to, everybody's just going to continue to move forward Yeah. because that's just the way it works. And, and it's better to just have an awareness of that humanity while you're here on earth than to have to figure it out yes. <laughs> when it's all yes. said and done. Um, did you see that Coach Rick from UGA had a heart attack today? <gasps> no. Yeah, he's okay. He tweeted, but here's what he said. He said, I know word travels fast, um, so I just want to go ahead and say, yes, I had a heart attack today and I'm fine. But when it was happening, I thought, I can't wait to go to heaven. I'm going to miss my wife. <gasps> oh, my And God. you just have this moment of like, Humanity, yep. like you're talking about, where yep. you go like, oh, yeah, he was fine an hour ago. Mm. And then he suddenly has a heart attack and he thinks, mm. this could be the end of my life. Mm. And have I done enough? When I think, when I, we talked about it before y'all got here. When I think about the noise in my life and the distractions in my life, if something happens to me today, did I do enough to turn that down? that I am live the person I want to be. Yeah. You know, and yes. living how I want to live that yes. people go like, yeah, Annie was trending toward emotional health. Is that what he says? Is <laughs> that what John says? That's right. That's brilliant. That's right. I'm it so is. stealing that. that line. It's a great line. Um, you, anybody who's lost a job, anybody who's lost a relationship, that it gets turned down for us sometimes. And it's just better to not have to wait till then. Just yes. go ahead and turn it down now. Yeah. Learn what you need to learn. Grow how you need to grow. And don't make and the truth, you know. I don't know if what you think about God, but I found God doesn't seem like He competes with our noise. Mm. He seems like He just lets us turned up for as long as we want, until there's somehow, some way, at some point, there becomes a breaking point where He's yeah. like, "All right, well, it's I don't know. I don't know another way to get your attention." Yeah, and so it's the humility to, thing, right? Where He goes so. like, "You can humble yourself." Yes. Or yes, yes, yes <laughs> you yes. can turn this noise down, yeah, or yeah, or we can find another route. But I think because he longs for relationship, it seems that he is so patient with us yes. to let us turn it down. I think you're right because he doesn't want to be the kind of boss. Yeah, that's just saying get to work. Yeah, you know? yeah. It I feels hope. like that's the when I have things happen that embarrass me, or when the noise gets turned down for me. Mm-hmm. It is it is not always my first sentence, but a very soon after sentence. I hope and try is. Okay, Lord, you did this privately. Yeah. You did this like yeah. you are letting me, you are turning down the noise for me. You are letting me experience a humbling situation yeah. in a way that that will keep me near mm-hmm. to you. I love it. And I would rather you do that all yes. day long. Yes. Then, let's you and I and my counselor and my close friends. Yeah, like, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it right here yeah. versus in front of 
you know, in front of the world, in front of the world. Yeah. I let enough of the world see. I let the world see enough that there are things that I want the Lord to just keep between us. (laughs) We're better for it. We are better for it. I don't know about that. Um, Okay. Clay. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for driving. That was very kind of you. I am so honored to get to do it. Get out of here. Well, I I feel the same way. Well, that is, we um, are in a lucky spot where we have more friends than shows. Mm -hmm. And so I am, I want you to know that it was really important to me to get to hear thank you, from you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's, a, I feel like you're a voice to my friends that are listening that, um, that is really important. Thanks. Especially as we're going into a new year and thinking about, I just don't want us to be distracted people. No. I want us Mm-mm. to be trending. I mean, let's if, be healthy people. Yes, let's trend toward emotional health yeah. as a as yeah. a group. Um, no. Yeah. That is my hope. I want people to love the Enneagram, love international soccer, and trend toward emotional health. Come on. Um, okay, tell me our last question we always yep. ask. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Yep. Tell me what you do for fun. Okay, I have thought about this question for a long time. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> I want the perfect answer. Okay. <laughs> I don't have it, but I want it because I've been like, I don't. Sometimes my, my wife will listen to me on podcasts and she'll be like, I just feel like because you're a pastor, you feel like you got to be spiritual. Oh. Which. Uh, but she knows me that I'm like a very real yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so feel like you've done like, a great job being spiritually and real here. Thank you. So she's like, don't feel like you need to go spirit. But at the same time, um, I do want to be real to life. So, yeah. all right. So here's what sounds fun to me. Okay. I love the Big Green Egg. Yeah. Uh, big fan of it. Great. I love making pizzas on the Big Green Egg. Oh, okay. So I love flour all over the kitchen. Yeah. Like, a compl- like it is the whole kitchen's yeah. dusted in flour. Do you have uh, a Roomba? Um, Surely with five kids. <laughs> we have a dog. Okay, there you go. There <laughs> it's you like go. a Same Roomba. Dip. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I love a bunch of activity. So people, yeah. uh, having people over. Um, the other day I drove home into our driveway and there were like 10 kids playing in our backyard. Oh, and I was like, best. this is just great. Especially because we're new to this neighborhood. I was about to say, especially yeah. being new. Yeah, it that's so It felt like, sweet. oh my gosh, we know people. So, yeah. um, so a bunch of people, um, holiday would be great. Uh-huh. Some Christmas music in the background. Uh-huh. Um, and throwing a bunch of pizza dough in the air. Yep. And I mean like, let's go not just your standard pepperoni pizza Let's mix it up. Okay. Let's Tell do me some everything. fig and prosciutto. <gasps> oh, you're so buckhead bougie. <laughs> My guy. Well done. <laughs> Let's go That's delicious. barbecue Hawaiian. Yeah. Let's do a lot of different flavors of pizza and let's put a whole like bar of pizzas yes. up there and just. Communal pizza is also my favorite. Like, not like a full, like, let's pray and I'll sit down together, but just like where you could have. It's like hovering. Hovering. You could have four Uh, pieces and no one would even notice. Like that kind of thing. Communal pizza. Communal pizza. You may have given the best answer we've ever had. Stop it. Communal pizza (laughs) is, and people are already hearing music, uh, Christmas music in the background because it's Phil Wickham singing to us during Christmas holidays. Gosh, Phil Wickham. What a good dude, right? Those sing alongs. I could take one of those, put a new one out a month, Phil. Yeah, serious. I know you're listening to this. (laughs) Serious. Give give us more sing alongs, give us more communal pizza. Yes. Yes. When you do, this is a real in the weeds question about your green egg pizza situation. Yeah. It can only hold one at a time. It can, and that's a real trick. And so what I've learned is I have a couple of different pizza stones, so I keep those in the oven on warm, and then I pull them out and put them on the counter. So when when I pull I can do – if you can get the big green egg up to about like 800, you can do a pizza in about two or three minutes. (laughs) That's right. And so you can – You slide that thing into hell. Yes, you do. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's the best thing. Go to hell. Tell your pizzas to go to hell. Go to hell. That should be their their motto. Yes. Um, So, yeah, put them on those warm stones, and it'll keep them warm. 
Uh, uh, one final pizza one. question. Dough gets cooked at all first before you put toppings on or raw, go, everybody goes raw? If in. I'm just doing one, I will put the dough on for just a little bit. But once you once you do more than one, it gets so hot, you can just, just put can. it right on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, the thing I like about doing pizzas is it does, there is, you know, you put like a piece of meat on a grill. There's not a ton of skill there. Sure. You're just putting it on there. And just don't uh, touch it. That's what my it, dad always says. Don't touch right. it. That's right. If you're looking, it ain't cooking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. That's right. But if you put the dough, the dough with all the toppings uh-huh. on it, it is tough to get that to slide because it won't slide. Right. So you got to get the right amount of a bit, a bit of cornmeal on the pizza peel so that when you get it to the you can just get it to come off without turning it into a calzone. <laughs> you're no joke. You're you're serious about this. Yeah, I do Communal pizza. enjoy it. I yeah. mean that that pizza stone trick. We're gonna see that on Instagram, and someone's gonna so. tag both of us and go, go. I did not know. Tag me. I did not know to put my <laughs> pampered chef pizza stones. That's right. Into the oven to warm them up. Well, I, yep, love it. You've changed it all. Um, thanks, buddy. You're great. Can't Thank wait you. for people to read this book. I'm I'm just. I think it'll really change some lives. So thanks. Thank thanks you. for pastoring people as well as you do. Oh, people wow. that you've met and people that you haven't met. That's very kind of you. Oh, friends, isn't he the best? What a good dude. I'm just so grateful. And I love this conversation about leadership, whether you're the president of a company or you're running your home or you're running a classroom or a hospital or a small group, wherever you are leading, I feel like Clay's book, How to Lead in a World of Distraction will be incredibly helpful for you. And when you're thinking about people in your life who you want to give a book to for Christmas, this is a great one. Again, it's called How to Lead in a World of Distraction. Make sure you follow Clay on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Tell him thanks for being on the show and how much you appreciate it. If you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, F as in find out where you lead because you're leading somewhere. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. That's how you can find me. Hey, don't forget, we're going to kick off 100 Days to Brave 2020 on January 1st. Make sure you grab your copy of 100 Days to Brave so you can join with us. There is the regular copy that is white, that's beautiful. And then there's the new leather bound copy that is great for men and women. And I just love it. So grab your copy and join with us. And friends, behind your back, I've been doing this thing all year long. Every single guest we have, I've had them all year tell you one of their favorite Christmas memories. So starting today, we're going to start sprinkling in those stories. You're going to hear from the author, from the musician, from the chef, from the friend, whoever it is that's been on the show with us. They're going to tell you a little Christmas story. So as we're going out today, go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. And we'll see you back here on Monday with my friend Liz Bahannon. Enjoy these Christmas stories. Hey, this is Lauren Daigle, and my Christmas album is called Behold. Um, One of my absolute favorite things about this record is the fact that it's a jazz record Mm -hmm. from New Orleans. That sound is so iconic and legendary. I remember whenever we were talking about making a Christmas record, I I wanted to, like, quote, unquote, behold the sound of where I came from. Uh, So one of my favorite Christmas memories of being down in Louisiana is, one, that we basically always are in shorts. <laughs> it's so hot during Christmas. We don't really get the the cold winter. It's actually colder during Thanksgiving, which is kind of funny. But I remember as a child getting a video camera for a Christmas present. And I would make these little home videos, like acting 
or I would use my cousins as like, hey, you're going to be my stand-in for this scene, you know? <laughs> so one of my favorite Christmas memories is getting that video camera and feeling like the world just came alive in an incredibly new way. I'm Scott Sauls, and uh, I'm pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, and I've written a few books. And my favorite thing about Christmas is starting Christmas music in August. Uh, it drives the people around me crazy at, at home and, and sometimes at work as well, but I like getting an early jump on Christmas because it's my favorite season of the year and I can't get enough of it. And uh, my very favorite part of Christmas is when everybody else joins me in that after Thanksgiving's over. So. <laughs> What's your album? What's your go-to album you listen to the most? Oh, I like Sufjan Stevens' uh, okay. Christmas record. Yeah, okay. I like that one a lot. I'm Ann Bogle. Find me at modernmrsdarcy.com. And about my Christmas memory, a wise man once told me there are great times and there are great memories and great stories. And this is definitely one of the latter. When I was about eight years old, my little brother got a Gargamel punching bag for Christmas. It was really cool. It came flattened in a package and my dad spent lots of huffs and puffs blowing it up and it was weighted in the bottom so you could punch it and it would knock over. And I wondered what would happen if I took my new pointy plastic paintbrush and just jabbed the end in. It's a science experiment. Like what would happen next? Well, what happens next is your brother starts crying because you destroyed his brand new Gargamel punching bag, which I'd like to say was fixed with duct tape. I'm not 100% sure. I will say that was not a great moment, but it has made for a really great Christmas story told over and over through the years. 